Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. If you don't mind, for just a second, we're going to read God's Word together. And we're in a series right now, uh, literally called uh, Making History. And I, I just felt like the Lord wanted us to talk a lot about the history making miracles of Jesus. Because right? how many of you know once you get a miracle from Jesus, your history's forever changed, right? And I just think that there's some things that we can look at in the scriptures, and specifically in Mark. Just the book of Mark's been sticking out to me lately. So I want to read to you really quickly Mark chapter 5. It's going to be straight out of the Bible. We're going to read it together. It's going to be on the screen. You don't have to read it out loud, but I'm going to read it with us. This is what the Bible says in verse 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake. And a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, somebody say Jairus, I like it, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, watch what we just sung about, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him. He'll, uh, Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Somebody say 12 years. 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything that she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd actually gotten worse. But watch this. I love this right here. She heard about Jesus. Come on, how many of you know when you hear about Jesus, things change? And she heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately. Somebody say immediately. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd. That's important to know. And he asked this, hey, who touched me? Who touched me? Now think about that. That's just crazy to me. He's in a crowd full of people. And his disciples said to him, look, there's crowd pressing around you everywhere, right? How can you ask who, is, who has touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him all that she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well Go in peace, your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus. Y'all remember Jairus? We were talking about him at the first, right? Jairus is still a part of this story. They arrived from Jairus' home, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, hey, your daughter, she's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said, said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Somebody say, just have faith. I love it. Then Jesus stopped the crowd uh, uh, and, and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw such commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and he asked, hey, why all this commotion and why all this weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And watch this right here. How many of y'all, I, I don't know about you, but I've done this before to Jesus. 
The crowd laughed at him. Right, it says the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. You're going to have to get out, all right? Get out. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room, and he said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately, somebody shout immediately, immediately stood up and walked around. And watch this. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And I just want to bring this message to you today. I feel it down deep in my stomach, so y'all just better, better get ready for some Pentecostal shouting today, all right? But this is what I want to tell you, and this is the title. When you write, when you sit down in just a second, I want you to write it down. It's this idea of I'm waiting on my miracle. Somebody say, I'm waiting on my miracle. Somebody say, I'm waiting on my miracle. Tap your neighbor and say, listen, you look like you should use some church today, right? You look like you could use some church today. Let me pray for us really quick, and then you can have a seat. Jesus, we honor you. We lift you up. We welcome everybody that's watching in online today with us. We honor them. We're so thankful for them. We love them. If they're watching later or listening later, we, we just want to let them know that they're loved as well, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, everybody said, amen. Come on, as you're having a seat, can we make a little bit of noise for Jesus in this place? Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. I love that. I love that. I love that. We want to welcome everybody in. It is tuning in, hanging out with us online. We love that. We're glad that you're here. Uh, and I would just throw this out there. Maybe um, for you, it's the fact that, you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, if you're watching online, if it's out of health, man, we want to honor that. We want you to do that. Maybe if it's out of habit, we're just going to invite you to come back because y'all ain't nothing like being in the room, is there? Come on, right? It's something about being in this room together with other people, building our faith together. And so I'm glad that y'all are here today. I'm glad that you're watching online. Uh, I'll just tell you really quick, how many of y'all have ever been interrupted? Let me ask. How many of y'all ever been interrupted on the way somewhere or you had plans and there was a major interruption in the middle of it? Come on, wave at me if you've had that happen to you before. I think all of us have experienced that before, right? Experienced something like this. Sometimes it can be good and sometimes it can be bad, right? Sometimes there's a good interruption, sometimes there's a bad interruption. You're like, how can it be a good interruption? Let me tell y'all real quick. Last week, uh, I've just honored one of my pastors, Pastor Tony, for bringing a great word. He's probably watching online. Did he bring a good word for us last week? But we had a chance to go to Gatlinburg as a family, and we were down there, and Allie and I had a chance to go on a date, just me and Allie. We went to the Alamo Steakhouse and uh, had a little bit of food, but then we were on our way back to our little cabin, and uh, I'll just tell y'all, we got interrupted. You know what we got interrupted by? The Krispy Kreme, y'all. Come on, somebody, right? How many of y'all know that, hey, that ain't nothing, that, that's a good interruption right there when you get interrupted by a dozen Hot and fresh Krispy Kreme donuts. Come on, Lord Jesus. They was like dripping with all the stuff. That was a good interruption. You know what I'm talking about? But I don't know about you. There's sometimes in our life where sometimes we are interrupted along the way, or maybe it's a trip that we're on, or whatever it is that literally seems like it's kind of delaying the trip. It's pushing it back. It's delaying the destination of where we want to be at. And I think about this scripture right here. I look at Mark, and again, there's something sticking out to me about the book of Mark lately, and I'm really enjoying it, but I just think Mark starts out talking about Jairus, right? He's out there talking about this dude who's a synagogue leader. He's out there uh, serving in the church, really, is what he's doing. And then right in the middle of this story, right, there's this lady, this woman with the issue of blood, right? She's been bleeding for a long time. And again, I start asking questions. When you're reading the Bible, I just encourage you just to ask questions like, why would that take place? Right, so what we begin to do is ask, Mark, why in the world would you like interrupt a story and interrupt something going on right here? Because these people don't seem like they got any connection whatsoever, right? 
Like on the surface level, if we're just being real honest, on the surface level, Jairus and this woman of, that has the issue of bleeding, like they are nowhere near connected. There's nothing that really, they're actually on the total opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to life, right? Let's just kind of just go through surface level stuff with them. First of all, Jairus is a dude and she is a woman, right? Can we all agree that's, that's opposite end of the spectrum, okay? So we see that that's happening. We also see that the Bible actually names Jairus. So you understand, he has a name, but we look at this woman, she doesn't even have a name in the story. She's just the woman with the issue of blood, right? Just something that's happening. Jairus is a leader in the Jewish synagogue. Well, on the completely end of the spectrum, no connection really whatsoever, is the fact that this lady, because she's considered ceremonially unclean, she couldn't even go to the synagogue in order to worship. So again, on two opposite ends of the spectrum, society would suggest that Jairus probably has some money in the bank. Come on. How many of y'all got that stimmy check this week? Woo! All right. Sorry. Just had to throw that. I like saying stimmy check for some reason. I don't know why. Just do. Uh, but, but, okay, he, got some, he has some money in the bank. But we see just from our story right here, it even tells us she spent everything that she had on doctor's appointments and visits, and she had nothing left. So we see that there is a big contrast really between them on the surface level, right? Like, I, let me bring it to kind of modern day, um, uh, just kind of modern day for us. Uh, I'll just tell you, and this is like, like literally no affiliation between the two, but let's just call it what it is. Jairus is a Democrat, and the woman is a Republican. Jairus is a UK fan, the woman is a dreaded Louisville fan. Come on, somebody, right? I'm just picking, I'm just picking. But, but I, I want us to understand that on the surface, there's no connection between these two people. Right? There's nothing going on that literally would connect them but what happens so many times and what I think about so many times in our life is maybe on the surface it doesn't connect us, but what about this is that life has a way of putting them in the same place at the same time, in the same location, and they've both been hit with something in their life that they never could handle themselves, right? So we see this taking place. We see them being connected. How many of y'all know that life has a way of doing that a lot of times, right? Hitting you upside the head. Come on, somebody. 2020 hit anybody else upside the head, right? We three months into 2021, but 2020 whopped you upside the head, whopped a lot of people upside the head. Maybe a situation in your life where you've been hit upside the head and life has a way of just really even in the playing field, right? Because what happens so many times is that life has a way of hitting you with something that your money can't fix, that your position can't fix, that your influence can't fix, that your status cannot fix. And so uh, I just think so many times this is even what's happening in this story. And I believe maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online today and you've been hit upside the head with something in life or you just feel like you've been ransacked, or you've been blindsided by life. And this is what I know about your situation is that means that your situation is a perfect candidate for the wonder-working power of Jesus, right? That's what that tells me. That's what that encourages me. And so if you and I, if we would just assume the same posture that we see all throughout this text is that you and I, and as we sung just a few minutes ago, is that if we would fall at the feet of Jesus, if we would throw up our hands and say, listen, Jesus, I don't know what to do about this, but I know you do. I know you have the answer. I know you are the solution. Guess what? That's a perfect opportunity for the history-making power of Jesus to show up in your life, right? Think about it. Jairus and this woman have nothing in common on the surface, but both of them are in the same position, having to push people out the way in order to get to Jesus, right? Why don't you push your neighbor and say, I'm getting to Jesus. Go ahead. Just give him a little shove right now if you're sitting next to somebody. 
I like that. I'm getting to Jesus. I, I think about both of their pathways to Jesus. Think about how uh, literally like it wasn't easy to be able to get to Jesus. It wasn't like paved. It wasn't like a golden road right to Jesus with some rose petals on it. That wasn't the way that it happened, right? They're literally, man, they're fighting people to get, trying to get to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They're doing whatever they got to do. Sorry, sorry. I, I know, I know I just freaked Miss Jennifer out. I just ran all over. Which way am I going? I don't know. Um, but I'll just tell you, uh, like literally, they're pushing people out the way in order to get to something that they never got to before, and that's an appointment with Jesus. And I believe this, and I want you to write this down. It's not going to be up on the screen, but I believe we all understand it, and I believe we see it in the story right here, is that life, a lot of times, you're going to do whatever you got to do because desperate people do desperate things, right? Desperate people do desperate things. It's not going to be up here on the screen, but I want you to write that down. Like, like how many of y'all ever been desperate before you are willing to do whatever you got to do to make sure that you're taking care of that, right? And this is what I know. When you're desperate for Jesus, guess what we do? We approach Jesus differently. Right? When we're desperate for a touch from Jesus, literally, we're willing to do whatever it takes, man. We're willing to worship, not care what anybody's thinking around us. Don't care that our hands are lifted up. Don't care that we're on our knees. Don't care that we're crying because we're just wanting a touch from Jesus, right? When you have an appointment with Jesus, you're going to do whatever you got to do to make sure you're hearing his word, spending time in prayer, spending time with him in order to be able to hear him. And my challenge in my heart as I read this and my challenge in my heart for all of us in this room is that I believe it's time that Jesus' church got desperate. Right? I believe it's time for you and I to get desperate for the word of God. It's time for you and I to get desperate for change in our family. It's time for you and I to get desperate for our families, that we would cry out to Jesus on behalf of that lost kid, that we cry out to Jesus on behalf of that lost daddy, on behalf of all of that, that we would get desperate for Murray and Callaway County, that they should know that we are not going to stop until every person in this county knows Jesus Christ, that we would get desperate for the things of God, that we would get desperate for his spirit because this is what I know about desperation is that desperation makes a way for opportunity that complacency never will. Sitting back saying, you know what, somebody else will handle that. Somebody else will do that. Man, maybe that'll happen one day. No, no, no. I think it's time for the church to get desperate for Jesus and we do whatever it takes to take Lost people, go after lost people, connect them to Jesus, and help them live on purpose. Because there's just something about being desperate, right? Just something about it. Desperation is what literally brings Jairus and this woman to the very same place, and it's at the feet of Jesus. Right at the feet of Jesus. I think a little bit more detail if we want to go into it about each of these people and their desperation for Jesus. I think about Jairus, right? It being a dad myself... I can imagine that he is showing up to Jesus. He's not just like casually strolling to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? What do we know about the story is that Jairus says that his daughter is dying. Like she's in the process. Think about that. Like this is a 911 emergency dispatch call to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like he is getting there. He's saying, you know what? I got to get to Jesus. My baby girl is dying. He's got to come. Right? He's got to come. Think about this woman. This woman has a desperation to get to Jesus. Why? Because there's been a situation that's been happening in her life for years and years and years. And guess what? She's out of hope. She's out of money. 
She's out of life. She's out of answers. And she wants to get to Jesus. She's desperate to get to Jesus. And watch how Mark 2, on the surface, it doesn't look like there's any connection between them. But watch how Mark connects the two of them. Because it just so happens, if you think back to our story, that Jairus' daughter, how old was she? Anybody remember? 12. Everybody say 12. All right, she's 12 years old, right? Real quick, the woman that had the issue of bleeding, how long has she been bleeding for? 12 years. Somebody say 12. I want you to understand that they're connected. There's a connection here. And I, I, I have a little ADHD when it comes to thinking about the Bible sometimes. And I like to just envision myself in it. And I like to think about uh, if, if anybody, like, anybody ever watching any TV shows out there, what's your favorite TV show right now? Any. Sounds good. You don't watch TV? That's fantastic. I think that's great. Read your Bible. Okay. Like, okay. It's good. But I don't know if you ever watch TV shows or if you watch like Law and Order, SVU. You know what I'm talking about? Any Law and Order fan? Any NCIS fans up in the house? Come on, somebody. Right? It never gets old watching Gibbs. You know what I'm saying? He could preach. I'd be watching it. You know what I'm saying? But like, like think about NCIS. If you think about a TV show or whatever, can you imagine like on the screen, I imagine this picture of this story going on. It would say like it would flash back. It would be like 12 years earlier. You know what I'm talking about? Like, just put yourself in that scene for just a second. Can you imagine that Jairus and his wife and their little girl, they're walking out of the hospital, how excited they are, right? We just celebrated having twins a few months ago. And first of all, we were scared to death walking out of the hospital. But, but how excited we were. The man, now we're responsible for some more babies. We got four kids. I think it's crazy. I can just imagine Jairus. They're hooking up the car seat to the camel. They're doing all this stuff, right? They're so excited about leaving the hospital with their baby girl. And I can just picture it in my head. Out of the same hospital, there walks a woman that just got the same prognosis that her life is not just starting, but it's actually about to end. I can imagine that for 12 years, she'd been struggling in the same thing. But 12 years earlier, Jairus and his family were celebrating this young daughter that they were bringing home. And I don't know about you, that a lot of times made me think maybe they walked right past each other and they never even saw each other. I started thinking about my life and your life and the interactions that we have throughout the week. And it started making me think about how many times... Are you and I walking around and we're so focused on our promise of a baby or our pain of what we're going through that we miss the very people that Jesus has put in our path so that we can make a difference in their life? And I wonder how many times you walk past that coworker. I wonder how many times that when you hear the Holy Spirit tell you, hey, stop, talk to them, pray for them, ask them how they're doing, ask them how their day is going. Next thing you know, they're going to break down on you. But how many times you and I, we just walk by and we miss the very opportunity that literally God is putting out in front of us. I think about that. I think about how many times that we do that. And again, so many times we can become so blinded by the promise or by the pain that we miss the people that God has put in front of us to make a difference in their life. And this is where I want to challenge all of us as a church, right? Easter is coming up, right? And Easter, I'll just give you a real quick idea. Easter is a great time to invite somebody to church because it's real hard to say no to somebody on Easter. Come on, somebody, right? It's real hard. So I encourage, I encourage you, excuse me, on the way out today, we've got some Easter invites as well. I encourage you, right, it's a spot right here. Here's, here's what I personally want you to know, like inviting them to a service, circling which service that you'll be at 
And literally, this is something I want us to be intentional about. I want us to be desperate about our coworkers that we, live, uh, that we do life with. I want us to be desperate about our families. I want us to be desperate about taking the name of Jesus wherever we go. And Easter is going to be a great start to that. that. You can invite somebody to be sitting right next to you that hasn't been to church in a long time, doesn't know Jesus. And if you would do that, I believe God will honor that. We're going to preach a gospel message on Easter. And I believe right now that people are going to be meeting Jesus that day. So why don't we do whatever we got to do to be desperate to get them under the sound of Jesus' voice. Not my voice, but how Jesus is going to speak to them on Easter Sunday. That's just a challenge I'm going to throw out there to all of us. But, but I'm, going to, I'm going to kind of come back to our story and this idea of 12. Somebody shout 12. 12. So 12, I want us to understand this idea of 12. I, I got to thinking about it. A lot of times it shows up in the Bible, right? I don't know about you, but if you go back to the Old Testament, rocking the OT, what happens is when God is establishing his covenant with his people, Abraham, Isaac, and, and uh, literally Jacob, so what happens is Jacob has how many sons? Anybody know? Twelve. Somebody shout twelve. Twelve, right? Out of that, God is again establishing his covenant with his people, and the twelve tribes of Israel form out of the twelve sons of Jacob. If you didn't know it, in the Older Testament, I was actually just reading this morning on the way into church, having it read to me. I wasn't reading while I was driving. Just trust me, all right? If you ever have the Bible app read to you, it is awesome. I love it. Reading in Numbers, and it was talking about the number 12 over and over and over again. Did you know that, that literally the breastplate that a, a, a high priest would wear when he would go into the Holy of Holies would have 12 stones on it because that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. I think 12 is a number. Maybe some of y'all are asleep because we're talking Old Testament. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. Okay, here's what happens in the New Testament is that how many of y'all know when Jesus, when like he ran away from his parents, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when they found him at the temple, guess how old Jesus was? 12. How many disciples Jesus have? 12. I wish I had a little B3 right now. Caught 12, right? We can just preach some 12 right now. How many baskets did they pick up whenever there was literally a a feeding of the 5,000? How many baskets were there? Twelve. So we see this number over and over and over again. We see it showing up over and over and over again. So I started looking that up, and I looked it up, and it said this, that the number 12, you want to write this down, not going to be up on the screen, but it represents God's power, it represents his perfection, and it represents his authority. I love that. You know why? Because to me, what that represents in this story is that it may be 12 years old and she may be dying or it may be an issue of 12 years of bleeding, but what that is telling me that Jesus is saying that no matter the sickness, no matter the tragedy, no matter the mishap, no matter the misstep, that there is absolutely, that is not under the jurisdiction of the power, the authority, and the, 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 the words of Jesus Christ, right? That's what this story tells me. Jesus is saying, I have all power, I have all authority to handle whatever's coming at you. And I don't know what you walked in here today with, but I just want to encourage you with the fact that that's the same Jesus that we sing about. That that's the same Jesus we call out to. That that's the same Jesus that we preach about. Is there anybody that's thankful for a Jesus, for a God that has all power and all authority? Let's give him a shout of praise. Why is that important? Why is this important? Why, why, why do I need to know that? This is why it's important. Write this down. Recognizing that Jesus has the authority is the starting place for a miracle. Recognizing that Jesus has the authority is the starting place for a miracle. And so many times what we do is we look at this passage of Scripture and what we do is we reduce it down to just faith, right? 
We reduce it down to just faith. And I think faith is good. Faith is important. Obviously, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is almost like an anchor, right? I think about that. So we went to a little Walmart last night. A.B., thank you for doing that. And look, I got a little anchor that I want to show you guys real quick. So faith is like an anchor. Okay, once you see that, faith is like an anchor. Now think about it. Faith, a lot of times, if it's like an anchor, how many of y'all know an anchor's only good if it's attached to something? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Because like, if I just throw this in the water, what is it? It's dead weight, ain't it? It's going down to the bottom. It's sinking down to the very bottom. But this is what I know, is that if you and I, if we will, <clears throat> sorry camera, folks. But what I know is that if we will attach something to the anchor, guess what? It makes the anchor worth whatever it's attached to. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I know about faith. Faith is an anchor, but faith, you have to attach your faith to something, and it needs to be in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what we got to be anchored to. And so, again, I want you to know that. I want you to write that down. I got to attach my faith. To Jesus. I got to attach my faith to the authority of Jesus. Because again, if we just have faith, that's good. I think it's great to have faith. But so many times what you and I have is we have faith in the wrong things. Right? We'll put our faith in all these other things. But if you and I, if we will connect our faith to his word, if we'll connect our faith to his power, and know that no matter what situation that we face in our life, that Jesus has the final say, that it's the ends at the words of Jesus. Again, if we don't connect our faith to his authority, guess what happens? You and I, we're going to have some problems. Right? We're going to have some problems. And a lot of times we think we have faith problems. Right? We think we have faith problems, but in, in the reality, it's not that you have a faith problem. It's the fact that you literally are not connecting your faith to the right thing. So I want to tell you, just attach your faith to Jesus. Just think about it. In the chapter before, in Mark chapter 4, actually, Jesus tells us that you can have faith as small as a mustard seed, and you can move mountains. Why is that? You know why? Because faith can be small, but if it's connected to the right thing, it's got the ability to move mountains and a miracle to take place. So this is what I want to challenge you with. This is what I encourage you with. It's not the size of your faith that matters near as much as the object of your faith. Right? It's not the size of the, your faith that really matters. We can have big faith, but if it's not connected to the right object, if it's not connected to the right thing, then we're, we're just spinning our wheels. We're just throwing an anchor down, not doing anything. But this is what I know. Our faith, it's not connected to the things that I do, the accolades that I achieve, the name that I build for myself. That's not what my faith is built in. My faith is connected to the power, perfection, and authority of one name, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. And at the name of Jesus, there is a final say. Is there anybody in this room that's saying, you know what, I'm connecting my faith to Jesus today. Come on, let's give him a big shout of praise in this place. Link your faith. You've got to attach your faith to the person of Jesus and the, the authority that he has. See, in this story, Jairus recognizes the authority of Jesus, and so does the woman. Think about it. Jairus recognizes Jesus. He's a worker in the church, right? He's basically a pastor. He's a leader in a synagogue, and he goes up to Jesus, and he just says, Jesus, if you will just come, Right, if you'll just come and lay your hands on my daughter. He got Pentecostal real quick. Come on, somebody, right? Like, hey, if you'll just come and lay hands on my daughter, you will be healed. She'll be healed. 
And guess what happened? Because his faith was attached to the authority of Jesus, he got a house call from Jesus. How I many you know, though, the woman did the same thing. She recognized the authority of Jesus. She had a completely different recognition of Jesus' authority and the fact that she just said, Jesus, I ain't got time for you to come to my house, right? I ain't got time for you to come. I ain't got, I ain't got time to clean up. Guess what? I just, need you to t- I just need a touch from you, and guess what? Then I'll be healed. Then my life will be changed. Then I will be changed forever. And guess what, though? It was a recognition of his authority that led to the miracle. I think we got to see that. And I believe today might be one of the most important messages that you will hear in this idea of building your faith. And Kyle, if you don't mind coming up, that would be awesome. I'll just tell you, I think it's so important in in a faith-building season for you or faith-building season for us as a church because if we don't believe the authority of a person, you and I will begin to doubt their words, Right? I think about it. how many of y'all have ever used this phrase before? I don't like to use it. Can I be honest? I, I don't like confrontation. How many of y'all ever used this phrase before? Maybe it was at a hotel. Maybe it was at a restaurant. How many of y'all ever said, hey, can I speak to your manager? Come on, somebody, wave at me. Wave at me. Anybody love having that conversation? I don't, right? I just don't like having that conversation. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm getting a free cheesecake out this thing. You know what I'm saying? But I think about that, I think about that, um, just that scenario, right? And just a few uh, days ago, we were in Gatlinburg, and we were eating at this place called the Local Goat, okay? We were at the Local Goat in Gatlinburg, and this couple beside us, I don't know, something had happened with their, with their food or something. I don't know exactly what went on. But the server, they were talking to her, and honestly, there was nothing that could happen there. There was not a whole lot that was going on between the server and, and these people. And they end up asking, hey, can I speak to your manager? So what happened? The manager comes over. She introduced herself. Hey, I'm Ashley. I'm the manager. I remember her name somehow. I have no idea why. Ashley, I'm the manager. I just want to let you guys know, listen, we've taken care of your meal tonight. Right? We've taken care of that. We're going to get you some dessert. We're going to get everything taken care of. We want to let you know that we value you. We love you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that you came in. They probably didn't say we love you. I don't think she said that. But like she said, you know, we value you. We, we really appreciate your business. And we're going to take care of you tonight. You, this is on us. This is for free tonight. And this is what I know is that it was the right person with the right authority that had the power to do something that somebody else couldn't do. Right? It was the right person, the manager with the right authority, managerial privileges that had the power to do what somebody else couldn't do. Well, this is what I know, and this is my heart for us in this room, is that I hope there's some of you right now that you are tired of lying awake at night and, say, and worrying yourself to death. I hope there's some of you in this room that as you lay there and you're lying there and you're worried about your life, you're worried about the miracle that you're waiting on, you're worried about your next step, you're worried about that, I hope that there's a time in your life that you would just lift your hands and you would look up to heaven and say, you know what, I need to speak to the manager. I need to speak to the God of heaven and earth. I need to speak to the Alpha and the Omega. I need to speak to the one who created all of this with a single breath. I need to speak to the one that's heaven is is his throne and earth is his footstool. I need to speak to the one God that has all authority and that's the name of Jesus, right? I'm praying that's where we will get to. I'm praying that's the desperation that we'll have because that's the first step to experiencing your miracle. Now think about it. Think about this story. Right? The story between Jairus showing up to Jesus. Jesus, come to the house, man. I need you. I need you to come. 
we got a lot of stuff going on. Man, my daughter's dying. So come on. Y'all can just imagine Jairus walking Jesus through the crowd. He's pushing people out the way. Jesus, all right, Jesus, come on. Come on, Jesus. All right, here we go. We're going. Going through people, pushing people out the way. Come on. And I can just imagine Jairus for just a second looking back. Jesus is gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just looked back. Gone. Jesus, where's he at? Like, Jesus, where'd you go, bro? Where'd you go? So imagine combing through people, coming back over here, doing all this. Be like, oh, oh, Jesus, I found you. Good. Found you, Jesus. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, okay, come on. We got to go. Right? We got to go. Got a miracle waiting on the other end. I know you can do it, but we got to get there. We got to keep going. We got to go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Who touched me? I can just imagine Jairus in this moment being like, and the disciples, obviously, they question that. Jesus, we in a big old crowd of people. What you mean, who touched you? What you mean, who touched you? Jesus, you being serious right now, Jairus? I can say, I just imagine him, hey, it's an emergency. Everybody's touching you, but we got to go. Like, we got to go. And what I know a lot of times is we get frustrated when we have to wait on God, don't we? I think so many times we expect Jesus to do the things that, that we want him to do on our timetable. But guess what? That doesn't require faith. That doesn't require attaching my faith to his authority. Now think about this story. And again, we get frustrated waiting on God. We're like, God, why aren't you showing up? Why haven't I got that miracle yet? Why haven't I experienced that breakthrough yet? Why hasn't that happened in my family yet? But I love this story. And if you read in another account of it, it says that Jesus waits for this woman to come out. Right? So again, maybe you're in a waiting season. Maybe you're in a season where it feels like God is very far from you. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like, man, there's no way God could be in this. But what if he's waiting because what I want us to see is that interruptions are actually invitations to experience in a miracle. Right? What we think is an interruption in our life, what we think is a pause that Jesus put on the plans that we have for it, what if it's actually an invitation to watch another miracle take place? And I think this story, again, it just says that the Bible, it says that Jesus allowed this woman, she came out trembling, she's upset, she knew what had happened to her. She's thankful. She's nervous. She steps out. I don't know how long it took her to step out. No idea how long it took her to step out in faith. But can you imagine Jairus standing over here being like, come on, Jesus. Come on, we got to go. But Jesus waited. He waited for this young lady to come out. And the Bible says that she told him everything that she had done. I told him her whole story. Real quick, where the ladies at in the room say, hey. All right, I figured y'all be like, hey, okay, it's okay. We'll try to get where the ladies at in the room. How many of y'all know, fellas, that if you're in a hurry, we love you ladies. But come on, I'm just going to be honest. Let's just be real. If you're in a hurry, how many of us know that we ain't got time for the whole story? Right? Let's be honest. Come on, everybody understands that. We all, we, we, hey, we're in a hurry, Jesus. We're trying to get over here. This lady shares her story and shares it with Jesus in front of everybody of all those people. And I can again just imagine Jairus saying, you know what, we got to go. We got to get out of here. And this is what I think. How frustrating can it be for you and I so many times when we are waiting on a miracle and we're watching a miracle take place for somebody else? Just being honest. Just be honest really quick. How frustrating can that be when you look around and you see, oh, you know what, they got promoted, but I lost my job. Or, or what about, man, they're having kids. 
we can't even have kids ourselves. Or man, their marriage, it was on rocks, but man, it looks like they worked everything out and they worked through it. My marriage didn't last. What happens and, and, and what do you do when you have to watch a miracle while you're waiting on your own miracle? And this is what I felt like the Lord was telling me to tell you guys today and encourage you. This is not meant to discourage you. Are you waiting? It's not meant to be discouraging to you. Just because I heard an old pastor say it one time, just because you've been delayed your miracle does not mean that you've been denied your miracle. And that a waiting season does not have to be a wasted season. You know what that tells me of what was going on in the fact that Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to do this miracle. Guess what it was doing? It was linking Jairus' faith to the authority of Jesus. And it wasn't meant to discourage him. It was actually meant to encourage him that if Jesus had enough authority to be able for this young lady to touch the robe of his garment and for her to be healed, that he's the same God that has the same power and the same authority to be able to bring back dead things to life, to be able to forgive things, to be able to say, you know what, daughter, you're going to be healed. And that's exactly what we see in this story. He heals this young lady and he says, all right, Jairus, let's go. And Jairus is like, yo, all hope is lost. My little girl, she's dead. Somebody come and tell me she's dead. She's already passed away. He's like, let's go anyway. You know why? Just have faith. Just have some faith. You know what he was doing right there? And that's just the thing I feel like God is telling me. We put so much faith. I put so much faith in myself and not in the power and the authority and the perfection of Jesus. If we'll link that, if we'll attach that, man, watch what happens. Gets to the house. Get over to Jairus' house. What happens is, man, the funeral's going on. There's wailing. There's crying. There's screaming. There's all this stuff. And we see Jesus walk up, and he's like, yo, why are y'all crying? Why are you crying? She's not, she's not dead. She's actually just asleep, right? And what do they do? They laugh at him, right? They laugh at Jesus. And I felt like, again, in my spirit today that God is telling me that somebody in this room, maybe there's somebody that has looked at you before and laughed at that God dream that's on the inside of you or laughed about the miracle that you've been praying for, that that family member is going to meet Jesus or they've scoffed at you and said, you know what, there's no way that you can expect God to do that in your family. And I believe that it's time that some of you and I in this room, we get the words of Jesus, just like what he said in this story. And we got to say, get out, right? Somebody shout, get out. Somebody shout, get out. Jesus said, leave now. You got to go. You're not going to be able to see the miracle happen as long as that stuff is in this room. And I believe that there are some of you right now in the season of waiting on God for your miracle that you need to call some things to get out. You need to say, you know what? Enough is enough. Depression, you got to go. Enough is enough. Anxiety, you can't stay here anymore. Enough is enough. You got to get out. Toxic relationship because you're not pushing me towards Jesus. Jesus, you're actually distracting me from the miracle that I know Jesus is about to do. You got to be saying, hey, you know what? Get out because this worldly thinking of thinking, oh, you know what? My hope can be in myself. No, no, no. You got to get out and you got to talitha kaum. You got to start talking to some things and say, you know what? You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to get up faith. You're going to have to get up uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Those God dreams 
righteousness, you're going to have to get up. And the Bible says that at the authority of Jesus, when he spoke to that little girl and said, get up, Mark 5, 42 says, and the girl who was 12 years old immediately, somebody shout me immediately, stood up and walked around and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Maybe you've been waiting on your miracle, but today is where you attach your faith to the person of Jesus and his authority that he has over the earth in your life and watch as you do that. And guess what? I really do believe that we're going to be able to step back. And you've been waiting on a miracle, but you attach your faith in the waiting season. And guess what? We're going to be able to look on it. And guess what? We're going to be totally amazed. We'll be totally amazed at what God does. Not what you and I can do, but at the power, the authority, and the perfection of Jesus. And I know you're in this room. Maybe you're in this room, or maybe you're watching online, and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. It starts there. So here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. And if it's safe for you online watching, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in this room, and you say, you know what? That's good. It's good and all. I've been waiting a long time. I've been coming to church for a long time. I've done this. I've done that. I've tried myself. But maybe you've never attached your faith to the person of Jesus. And this is what I would just ask you. The Bible tells us that, that we've all sinned, that we've all messed up, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says we've all done that. But the Bible tells us, and the Bible is so encouraging, and the Bible is so challenging that he says, you know what, I know you may be a sinner. I know you may be far from me, but I want a relationship with you. And the Bible says that even while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. And maybe that's something that you never realized, that even at your darkest, even at your worst, that Jesus, he loves you, cares about you. And the miracle that's waiting in front of you is this thing called salvation. It's a miracle in itself. It's history making in itself. Maybe you're in this room and you need to make that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. If you realize that you need Jesus to come in your life and save you, just pray something like, Dear Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me of my sins? I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. and I want to live for you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose from this day forward. If that's you and you prayed that online or you prayed that in this room, here's what I'm going to ask you really quick. I'm going to give you kind of two different instructions. If you're in this room, I'm going to ask you, if you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something kind of bold, kind of scary, kind of crazy, but I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and make your way to our, one of our, our, our prayer team is over on the walls. And there's, you're not going to be the only one moving. Just so you know, our team getting ready for second experience is going to be moving as well. So just know that you're not going to be the only one moving. If that's you and you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you stand up and just make your way to one of the walls? We'd love to be able to have a conversation with you, encourage you, be excited with you, celebrate with you, help you out with some next steps. And if you're online, if you're watching online, would you please just text the word PURPOSE to 270 229 6488 and lets us know that you made a decision and we can't wait to follow up with you this week I love that I love that I love that well come on 
Why don't we do this, church? Why don't we lift up our heads and why don't we stand to our feet? And can we give God a big shout of praise and encourage some people that just said yes to a relationship with Jesus by putting our hands together, letting them know that we love them. Come on, y'all can do a little better than that. They just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Let's be excited for them. Yeah. I love that celebration's our response. It's something that we do. Why don't you high five somebody next to you and said, I'm waiting on my miracle, but I'm getting towards Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you're here. Man, thank you guys for being here at church today. It's been a great day. And I'll just tell you a couple things really fast um, that, that literally are coming up. We've got a couple of crazy weeks coming and Easter's here, right? It's two weeks from today. So I would just encourage you, grab some of these invites on the way out the door today. Uh, I would encourage you, just like we talked about, maybe we're walking past people every single day that God has put in our path that we can make a difference in, that we can invite, that we can be family to, that we can encourage. And I would just encourage you to do that. I will tell you, man, if you call Purpose Church home, this is a time in our service where we get a chance to be able to worship God through giving. So if, if that, again, if this is your first time, that's not for you. Man, we want you to just enjoy being here today. But if you call Purpose Church home, you need to do that. You can do that via text. Uh, I don't. We have never texted in. We actually just give online. It's an easy thing for Allie and I to do. So we give online. Uh, they're, they're actually offering containers in the back on the way out. You can drop it in there. But whatever you do, we believe it, as a church, we're a biblical church where we just say, you know what? We believe in the in the tithe of the church. And, and the fact is, as a church, we believe in it so much that that's how we structure ourselves, and that we give away 10% immediately because a tithe is just a tenth. It's what God has asked us to do, that, hey, if we would trust him with 90% of what we bring in, of what we earn, that, man, he can bless that. And we just believe that. And then the Bible tells us, just test God in that. See if that's something that he will not open the floodgates of heaven and overwhelm. And it may not be in this life. It may not be through financially, but guess what? I believe he's always going to take care of people who honor him through the tithe. And so we believe as a church that we want to do that as well. So we give away 10% as well because that's what we're called to do. We want to give. We want to be generous because generosity is our privilege. Right, Purpose Church? Right? That's what we believe. So, so that if you would need to do that, that would be right now. But I will tell you, again, the next two weeks are going to be fantastic. I can't wait for next Sunday. We're actually going to take communion together. It being uh, Palm Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion. And then two weeks from now, Easter is coming. How many people, y'all hold, hold, hold the fingers up. How many people you invite with you to come that day? Come on, let me see. Come on, you, you ain't got no fingers up. We're going to come to you. No, we're not going to do that, right? I love that. I just bring a lot of people with you. It's going to be an incredible three services, 8, 9, 30, and 11. And we're believing that God is going to do something incredible. And I've already got my title for that day's message. Hashtag he ain't in there. Come on, somebody, right? All right. So that's going to be fun in a couple of weeks. All right. Let me pray for you. And I hope you have an incredible rest of your day. Jesus, thank you so much for my friends, God. I pray you bless them. I pray you keep them. I pray you turn your face towards them and shine your countenance or your favor upon them. And that this week, no matter what comes, we've linked our faith to you, that we will have peace in the middle of whatever we face. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.